Amen. Now let the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture readings for today come from the New Revised Standard Version Bible. Our first reading for today comes from Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 22. So now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Only to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his decrees that I am commanding you today for your own well-being. Although heaven and the heaven of heavens belong to the Lord your God, the earth with all that is in it, yet the Lord set his heart in love on your ancestors alone and chose you their descendants after them, out of all the peoples as it is today. Circumcise then the foreskin of your heart, and do not be stubborn any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. You shall also love the stranger, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. Him alone you shall worship. To him you shall hold fast, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God. Who has done for you these great and awesome things that your own eyes have seen? Your ancestors went down to Egypt seventy persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in heaven. Our next reading for today comes from 1 John, chapter 4, verses 13 through 19. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known... And believe the love that God has for us. God is love and those who abide in love abide in God. And God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever has not reached perfection in love. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Our last reading for today comes from John, chapter 14, verses 25 through 29. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the first thing I wanted to address in this new series 
questions of faith is what exactly the fear of God is supposed to be. Now, in this series, I will be taking on questions that come from you. So if you have anything that you would like me to address during this series, please let me know. I am open to any and all suggestions and questions. Now, the fear of God is one that has come up before, and I've run into this on multiple occasions, and so thought it would be a good one to open with. It can be a rather troubling topic to tackle because there's often this feeling that the God of the Old Testament is full of wrath and vengeance. Well, the God of the New Testament is all about love and kindness and mercy. And what we miss from this is all the times that God's love and mercy is proclaimed in the Old Testament. We also have to take into consideration the way that we read the Old Testament through Christ. The New Testament should impact the way that we read the Old Testament. And this can be a problem if we try to read the Bible start to finish, not thinking about the Old Testament in light of what we know because of Christ. Our first reading today was a reading that helps us to get a little bit of an understanding of what fearing God is supposed to be like. When the people are given the law, they're asked what God requires of them. And it's this, fear God, walk in his ways, love God, serve him with all your heart and soul, and keep his commandments, the ones that they're being told that day. They're asked to circumcise their hearts so that they're no longer stubborn, so that they can love the Lord. But then there's talk about how mighty God is. But this might is shown off in an interesting way. His might is of the fact that he's impartial and does not take a bribe, that he's full of justice because of his love. And part of what we get in this is that fear isn't so much a trembling fear of how we're going to be punished next, but an awesome fear, a question of who is more powerful than God. And one of the things that the fear speaks of is fearing only God. Not because we should be deathly afraid of God at every turn, that God should, try, should strike terror in our hearts, but because there's nothing else that we ever need to fear. This comes into play in our reading from 1 John. In the letter, it says that God abides in us because of our belief, our faith, and that God is love. Now at this point, you're probably asking, how am I supposed to fear love? The letter then answers this by saying there is no fear in perfect love. Because perfect love casts out fear. Now you might think that those are contradictory points. Fear God, but have no fears. But the truth is that it's really about a level of faith. That it's a level of faith that goes beyond needing to be afraid of punishment into doing the right thing because of how much you love. Often in the Old Testament, people were struggling with the idea that there were different gods that could impact them. That they needed to fear some gods and fear others and fear the people who might turn their gods against them. 
And the idea that we get is that they should fear only God. But if you follow God, trust God, and believe in God, then there's nothing to fear. And I thought about this in a sense of parental love and fear. Because if you were to ask me, do you fear your father or your mother? I'd say, no, I don't fear them. But in a sense, that would be a lie. It's not that they strike fear into my heart and that I worry so much about what they're going to do to me that I'm afraid of them. But the easiest way I can explain it is thinking back to being a child and being afraid of disappointing them by doing something I knew I shouldn't do. And you know, I still have a fear of disappointing them. And there was also the fear of how I might be punished for not doing what they said. And the reason I feared the punishment was not because I was always in trembling fear, but because I knew I was going to get punished because what I did wasn't right. And that punishment was called for. And that's a fear that works in a lot of ways. We can think of times where someone doesn't commit a crime because they fear getting caught, and they're afraid of being punished. That's the entire deterrent of the legal system. Don't commit a crime if you don't want to go to jail. And that's better than people doing the wrong thing because they have no fear of what will happen, what the repercussions are. Often today, I hear people complain about repercussions for their actions and want to blame everyone but themselves. When I hear people talk about cancel culture, the people who are complaining about it are often the people who thought that they never had to be afraid of repercussions, of the consequences for their actions. They thought that they could say or do whatever they wanted and they should always be free to do or say whatever they wanted. They didn't think that there would ever be a time where they would be called to account for what they said or did. And when it turns out that there are repercussions, they proclaim it's everyone else's fault. And that's one of the things that we have to work on. One of the things we might miss in this is that fear isn't always a bad thing to have. Fear keeps us from doing incredibly dangerous things. Fear can save our lives. But it's the kind of fear that matters. And one of the ways we can look at this is through our gospel reading for today. When Jesus is talking to his disciples, before he's to be crucified and be leaving them, he tells them that he leaves them with peace. He doesn't want their hearts to be troubled and doesn't want them to be afraid because of love. And this goes back to that idea of love that we talked about in our reading from 1 John. 
If you don't love God enough to simply want to please him because of that love, then there should also be fear of what will happen if you intentionally do the wrong thing. But we also hear of that fear spoken of in the Old Testament in the same breath as love. And I think that's a key component to all of this. If Christ tells us that we don't need to be afraid, but we hear that we should fear God, how do we make sense of this? And they make sense like this. We have nothing to fear but God. But if we love God with all that we are, then we don't even need to fear God because we know that God is good, God is just, and God is with us. God will help us to do the right thing. But when we falter and we start to worry, one of the things that helps us to get back into focus is that fear of disappointing God. A fear of letting Christ down. Because instead of thinking about what the right thing to do is, instead of thinking about how we can love one another, we fear what people might do or think or say. And we become afraid of doing the right thing. We become afraid of loving the way that Christ loves. We become afraid of having the steadfast love that God has for us. That instead of standing in awe of all that God is and all that God has done for us, we begin to fear the things around us instead of remembering the loving God that is there to guide us and lead us and help us in all things. Now, I will admit, sometimes this can be hard when we're reading the Old Testament. Because in that, we often see people who are simply afraid. And part of the Old Testament is that they are coming to try to understand God. And sometimes they see God in the same way that people saw the vengeful and wrathful gods that were around them that other people believed in. But then remember that sometimes it's because they still weren't sure what God wanted of them what the right thing to do was. They weren't sure just exactly what God was going to ask of them. These are people who keep turning away from God because of the fear they have of others. The fear they have of other gods, the fear they have of serving a God that they can't see, that they can't hold in their hands. If we remember the Israelites getting nervous while Moses goes up the mountain to receive the law, they become afraid, so they crafted a golden calf, a god that they could worship that was something they could touch and feel because it gave them control back. And it is because they didn't think about the fact that God was still with them they let fear of everything else drive them. And if they had just remembered that the only thing to fear was letting God down, those other fears wouldn't have risen up so high and caused them so many problems. And sometimes I think those fears are worked into the text because sometimes I think that the people who wrote the Old Testament were so afraid of doing the wrong thing that sometimes they ascribed their own fears to God. 
because they didn't know how to understand him any better. And so, when I'm reading about the fear of God, I think about it in a few different ways. And it helps me to overcome that idea that I should be terrified of God. And I turn it into a respect and an awe. Be in awe of how powerful and wonderful God is. Let it be something overwhelmingly big. Something big and challenging. Something that is hard to understand. But also know that the fear isn't simply being afraid of what God will do, but it's a fear that keeps us from all other fears. FDR famously said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And we could take that one step further. The only thing we have to fear is the Lord Almighty. But if we love him with all our heart, then even in that, there is no Fear. That if we let love guide us and we let our devotion, if we let our faith in God be overwhelming, then we have no need to fear Him. Because then we aren't worried about punishment. We're worried about fulfilling that great love. We are living in that wonderful grace, knowing that even when we fail, Redemption is at hand. We aren't worried about the repercussions because we're more concerned with making sure that we love the way that God loves us. We remember the salvation that we find in Christ. And we turn away from fear and trembling and it becomes reverence and awe, a respect. And we can escape the idea that we should be terrified of what God may do to us. That the fear of God becomes an understanding of who and what God is. A faithful father who loves his children and offers forgiveness. And it becomes instead a matter of trust. Because if we trust that God will take care of us, if we trust that our faith in God is not misplaced, if we have faith that Christ is always with us, if we trust all of those things, then we remember that he told us, do not be afraid. And that we don't need to fear God because we can already find love in God. Love to the point that we overcome fear itself. And we let that love be our guide. For God is love. A love so overwhelming and so big that we stand in awe and reverence, and maybe even a little fear. Amen.